0: It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, good morning. Great to have you here this
1: morning and also shout out to our podcast peeps, around the world, our extended Elevate family. Great to have you here. For this is week three of our series, True North. It was gonna be a four-week series. Now it's gonna be a three-week series. Next week, we're launching a brand new series. I'll come back to that uh, at the end. Uh, But what we're looking at in this series is some of the things that Jesus said about Jesus. In fact, John, one of his hand-picked 12, one of his four biographers, recorded Jesus as having said seven statements, starting with the words, I am. This was Jesus saying, hey, actually, if anyone knows who I am, it's me. So I'm gonna tell you who I am by telling you I am. And week one, we looked at the declaration that Jesus made about Himself, that He's the resurrection and the life, the idea that Jesus specializes in bringing dead things back to life. Last week, Steve Hall talked about and taught on the declaration that Jesus made that He is the good shepherd. And that as the good shepherd, He always leads us to better places. And our responsibility and our invitation as followers is to actually go with Him, to actually trust Him that He's going to lead us uh, to better places. Now, those of you that were here last week, you may recall uh, somebody uh, from this stage saying that they were gonna teach on the most offensive thing that Jesus ever said. He said a lot of offensive things. um, And somebody on this stage said that I was gonna teach on the most offensive thing that Jesus ever said. Um, But I started preparing for that during the week and I just wasn't feeling it. So I'm not gonna teach on that. I'm gonna teach on something else that Jesus said. Though it wasn't the most offensive thing the thing I'm gonna teach on today, it was possibly one of the boldest things that uh, Jesus declared about himself. And yes, I know some of you are thinking, well, well what's the offensive thing? Uh, that will be a reasonable thought. The, uh, Reese, this is for you, uh, so you can sleep well tonight. Uh, the, the offensive thing is that Jesus declared that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That is so offensive. I mean, really? I mean, it, what? Aren't you a way, a truth, a life? But I wasn't feeling it. Doesn't make it less true, um, but I'm going with something else today. Anyway, if you've got your Bible app, I'm gonna take us to John chapter 15. I'm gonna drop us into the new international version, the NIV, for those of you who are smart. Um, and uh, what I'm gonna teach on is is actually the seventh and final I am statement that Jesus made. So really what we what we're going to pick up on is a moment in history that was actually some of Jesus' final hours on the planet, okay, as fully human. Now, the setting is when he's about to say what he's about to say. The setting is that he's gathered with his closest 12, his hand-picked disciples, having a meal together. We now call that meal the Last Supper. They didn't call it that, they just called it Supper. But it happened to have been the Last Supper that they were together. Now, this happened in Jerusalem. Let me show you where this would have taken place. Down, this is a, a an overview of Jerusalem at the time of Jesus and uh, Jesus and His disciples are gathered together, having dinner, having the, the, the supper together, where I've designated A. It's it, it, Again, this is one of those things. It's a place called the Upper Room, but it wasn't called the Upper Room back then. It was just an Upper Room because it was just upstairs. Uh, anyway, it's now called the Upper Room. Well, that's down there in that, in that lower uh, corner of Jerusalem. And at the end of the meal, Jesus is, took his followers on a a foot trek over to a place just outside the city limits uh, in an area called the Mount of Olives. I've designated that as B. Now, those of you listening on our podcast, this slide is available on our website, uh, elevatechurch.me, and you can catch that up. And in that Garden of Olives, uh, or the Mount of Olives, is a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. This is a place where Jesus got down on his knees and said, Father, if there's another way, I mean, if, if, if you can provide salvation for the entire world without me as a man having to go through this crucifixion experience, that'd be terrific. And, however, which is the challenge to all of us when we pray to God, uh, not my will be done, but your will be done. And he prayed that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, what you'll see here is uh, a journey, okay? On route from A to B, Jesus said this to his followers, I am the true vine. He made this declaration. Now, first of all, the fact that Jesus designated that he is the true vine suggests that there are other vines. And the implication if there are other vines is that there it's possible to produce other fruit other than what the true vine would produce produced. And potentially, and let me show you this map again, potentially when he was saying this as they went on this journey from A to B, up at the top of Jerusalem, in the most prominent place, as you would not necessarily be surprised to learn, is the Jewish temple. The most significant building located in the most prominent part of the city of Jerusalem. So Jesus and his and his closest followers went on this journey and potentially they were going past the temple. Some big brains, big brain Bible people think that potentially they were going past that temple when Jesus said, I am the true vine. Now the temple at that time in history was the most significant place for religious activity. It was the it was the epicenter of the Jewish faith. Okay? Everything important that that, that had to do with the Jewish faith took place in and around that very temple it's where people came to pray it's also where people came to make sacrifices to try and get their lives right with God and maybe if they get their lives right with God and they sacrifice just enough and bring the right amount in the right way and go through all of the rituals and routines maybe just maybe God will accept them and love them that took all of that took place in the temple now at the doors of the temple was this magnificent structure which we now call the golden vine literally what you're looking at, and just for scale, there's some Jewish priests down the bottom doing some uh, macarena. Uh, the um, this this was entirely this is a grapevine entirely made of 100 percent gold. Okay, at the at the entrance to the temple, and they had that at the en- entrance to the temple to be symbolic of what they were communicating to the people that that you could get potentially on the other side of that entranceway, on the inside of the temple. It was symbolic that inside the temple, you'll find life. Inside the temple, you'll find blessing. Inside the temple, you'll find happiness. And come on people, life, blessing, happiness. Who wouldn't want that? Come on, life blessed, happy marriage, life blessed, happy spouse, life blessed, happy kiddos, life blessed, happy career, life blessed, happy health, life blessed, happy finances, life blessed, happy friends, have I missed anything? I mean, you know, even if that's the end of the list, that's a pretty good list. Promised inside the temple. And Jesus going past there, makes the bold statement that you know, this vine, it's pretty impressive. What it symbolizes is pretty important. What it promises is absolutely what the Father would want for you. However, it's not the golden vine that's the true vine. It's not the golden vine and what you can find inside the temple that will provide you with those things. It's me, Jesus. I am the true vine. I am the one who produces life, blessing, happiness. Your best efforts don't produce that. I produce that. I am the true vine. And then he goes on and he keeps doubling down on this one. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Now, this would have required no explanation to Jesus' audience. They were a very agricultural society. Potentially, it wasn't just these golden vines, but around you know the outskirts of the city would have been grapevines and other fruit-bearing trees. So these guys understood. They knew that grapes didn't come from the fruit section at Woolies. They knew that they actually came from plants that are out in the wild. They would have known that. So, they, so Jesus says to them, uh, "No branch." can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. And they'd be like, well, duh, Jesus. I mean, we know. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Has anyone read this before? Anyone, is anyone familiar, any of you church veterans? Now, look, come on. Can we just be honest for a second here? This second bit, you know, and I know that that is absolutely not true. None, ne- neither of you can bear fruit unless you remain in me. Because you know people in your life that are producing fruit and they're not Jesus followers, right? Well, this, that's it. That's the end of the conversation. That's the experiment. Jesus, you're wrong chances are you've produced fruit in your life before you were a Jesus follower. Maybe some of you aren't Jesus followers here this morning and and you've produced fruit. So you're thinking, well, Jesus, hello, you're wrong. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So these guys are like, first of all, Jesus, we understand the agricultural metaphor. And secondly, we're calling BS on this one. Well, Jesus doesn't back down, no, he doubles down. He says, and I'm the vine and you're the branches. Oh, here we go. If you remain in me, and it's a choice, you will bear much fruit. Okay, well, that sounds encouraging. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, I'm not so sure this is correct. I mean, I'll just give you my own example. Most days this week, I put pants on. I work from home, so it's not always a guarantee that it's seven days, but most days I put pants on. Do you know, let me tell you, let me let you in on a secret. Not once in my pant putting on process did I ever pray to Jesus for help. No, just pants went on. Every morning I made a coffee. Full disclosure, every morning I made many coffees and not once did I ever ask Jesus for help. He's telling me apart from him, I can do nothing. I'm doing pretty well in the barista stakes. Some of you drove here this morning and you you didn't even ask Google or Siri or Jesus for help. You just got in the car and miraculously, you made it here. And Jesus is saying that actually, no, apart from him, you can do nothing. So what's that all about? Well, let me zoom out and give you the English definition of the word nothing that Jesus was referring to. He's saying that nothing in this case is a quantity of no importance. And really what Jesus is weighing up is that we can produce stuff without him, but it's not the stuff that matters the most. It's not the stuff that will last forever. It's not the enduring stuff. And ultimately, he's underlying the fact that it's insignificant compared to kingdom stuff. It's not mutually exclusive, I'll come to that, but it's not the most important. That by yourself, you can produce stuff, but it's not the most important. But if you wanna produce the most important stuff, kingdom stuff, you can only produce that if you are connected to the vine and you remain in the vine. And really, we've been hitting this over the last, few weeks, by this, uh, what was breaking news week one in some cases, that there's a difference between magnetic north on our spinning globe and true north. That magnetic north lies somewhere in Arctic Canada and um, and an an analog compass will take us there. True north is the north pole and only if we calibrate our lives in our compass will we actually arrive at, at, at true north. And then I made this uh, statement, if you align your life with the magnetic pull of culture, you'll never end up at true north. The idea that close enough isn't good enough. Now, magnetic north fruit, there is fruit that can come from aligning our lives with magnetic north. this again, Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine, implication there are other vines. I'm true north, implication there is other north. And there's fruit that can be produced by orienting our lives towards magnetic north, bigger house, newer car, uh, higher on the organizational chart food chain. In and of, listen carefully people, in and of themselves, those are not evil. Those, unless they become your number one and you think they are true north, they're not necessarily bad, but they don't endure. And compared to kingdom stuff, they're not the most important. Paul, one of the heavyweights of the early church, he wrote a little bit of a list, not an exhaustive list, but a pretty good list of some of the things that are true north fruit. So you know, magnetic north fruit, it's the stuff that your friends tell you is the most important. Magnetic north fruit's the stuff that the ads on TV tell you is the most important. The billboards, the signs on the bus stations, the, the, the ads that pop up on your social media, those are all magnetic north fruit. Not, not all of them are bad, but again, they're not the most important. And the true north fruit, and Paul gives us some examples. Listen to this. Listen to this and tell me if like the promise of stuff that was promised through the golden vine into the temple, if, if these were some of the things you'd expect that you might've got going through the golden vine and Jesus is saying, no, no, I'm the true vine. And if you come to me and remain in me, this is some of the things you might be able to experience or will be able to experience in your life. The fruit of the spirit, Paul said, is, listen to this list. Love, joy, peace, peace. Really? That's a thing? It's possible? In 2021? Apparently. Patience, hello, parents. Kindness, hello, spouses. (laughs) Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because here's the thing. You can live in a bigger house and not experience peace. And If you had to choose and by the way, you don't necessarily have to choose, but just ask yourself the question: if you had to choose, which one would you choose? You can drive a nicer car and not have self-control. I'm talking about road rage, although that seems to be a thing, if uh, YouTube's telling the truth. You can have a, but not, you can move up the corporate ladder and not experience joy. So again, this is this list that Paul says is actually the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that comes out of our lives if we connect to the vine, the true vine, and remain in the true vine. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Questions, in your marriage, is there love or are you just kind of tolerating each other? In your household, is there joy or is it just doom, gloom, dark cloud, keep the blinds down? When you go to bed at night and rest your head on your pillow, is there peace in your mind and your heart? Now, nobody's gonna score 100% on this list, but these are the sort of things. This is the sort of fruit. This is true north fruit. And I would argue this is the best the best, the best. And Jesus is making the point that our connection determines our fruit. So let me give you one of Marco's pro tips. If this is true, don't confuse knowing about Jesus with having a connection with Jesus, because there's a lot of religious people that find themselves inside a temple and know the stuff and can whip your butt at Bible Trivial Pursuit, which is fine, I mean, it's fine, Like, well, it's fine to a point, but it's not Jesus' point. His invitation wasn't to know about him as being the vine, his invitation was to connect to him and remain connected to him yeah. as the vine. That connection, not knowledge. Knowledge is good. I mean, if you don't know Jesus and you don't know His Word, then, you know, I've said this before, you're vulnerable to the attacks of the devil, you're sitting ducks, you're lunch. But don't confuse knowing about Jesus with connection with Jesus. And my prayer today is that you'll move closer to connection with Jesus. In fact, Jesus used the word remain when he's given this uh, speech on the walk from the upper room to the Mount of Olives, he used the word remain 11 times. So he wasn't just inviting his followers to make a one-time connection with him. He was inviting them to go on a journey with him, connected with him, not just once, but for, for all eternity. In fact, this is one of the reasons that we tell, tell the, 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 and, and make the point that there is a difference between believing in Jesus, putting your faith one time in Jesus, which we would call salvation. Jesus, I commit my life to you. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord over my life. We call that salvation. That, that's this one time thing, but Jesus doesn't just call us to believe in him. He then calls us to follow him. And it's the following looks like the remaining. The following is the journey. The following is the tomorrow and the day after and the week after and the month after and the year after. Cause here's the thing, you can walk into your local grocery store or you can get it delivered uh, in some window of time to your house. You can get fruit delivered, but you can't produce fruit unless you actually remain in the vine. It's a process, it takes time but the promise is there and he says that we are to remain. So my question being a a pragmatist is how do we remain? I mean, I'm gonna come back to how do we connect in the first place and give you an opportunity to do that if you've never done that before, but I'm gonna also talk to the others who maybe have connected previously, how do we remain? First of all, and these aren't gonna come as shockers to the church veterans, okay? They're not going to be like, never thought of that. No, this is going to be like, I expected you to say that. I mean, you know, seriously, two years of Bible college and that's the best you got? Yeah, it is actually uh, what I'm about to share because these are the fundamentals. Number one is prayer. That if we're talking about being connected to divine, it it, it smacks of proximity. It it ultimately inherently refers to proximity. And one of the ways we demonstrate and one of the ways we... uh, uh, live out proximity is by verbally connecting to the vine. Hey Jesus, how you doing? Hey, it's like, it's this ongoing dialogue that we call prayer. And, and that's, that's not just something we do in a box for an hour on a Sunday. It's not just, so, this is us having intimate, ongoing remain type connection with Jesus. Here's another one. Somehow I don't, I don't know what God thinks about anything. You know, God was so good to us that he actually wrote some stuff down. Some stuff about him, about his power, about his promises, about you, who you were created to do, your purpose. He wrote it down and, and we call it the Bible. And and for uh, until uh, Gutenberg created the printing press and God kind of co-opted that to start churning out Bibles, before that, the only place... You could uh, see a Bible and hear it was in a box where it was typically kind of chained to some fancy-pancy thing and only the paid professional Christian was allowed to read from it. And so for the other 167 hours of your week, you just had to wait until you could come back in the box. And then some genius named Gutenberg created a printing press. And by the way, now uh, some genius, uh, Al Gore, created the internet. And then some genius created an app called the Bible app. And so now you've got the Bible in multiple versions, I might add, in multiple languages, uh, in your pocket, handbag, charger, bedside table, whatever, every minute of every day, if you want. And here's one of the things that a lot of our team, an increasing number of our team are finding helpful is that there's actually plans in the Bible app. Jesus isn't gonna test you on this. How many plans did you get in your lifetime? Come in. But sometimes with the Bible, you can be like, I don't know where to start. Like I wanna learn more about joy. I mean, that's like one of the fruits of the spirit, right? Yeah, I need a bit more joy in my life. Where do I start? The Bible app, there's a search function in plans. You just type in joy, And up come a whole bunch of plans specifically on joy or fear or peace or love or relationships or leadership. Or, so it's not mandatory, but wow, how good is that? Here's one. One way we remain with the vine is we remain with the vine along with other branches in what we call community. That following Jesus isn't a team sport. I mean, if you want to take a wee drive through the Swan, Swan Valley sometime, it's about to be spring. It's going to be beautiful out there. You won't see a healthy vine with just one branch. And the and the and the viticulturist going, "This is actually my uh, prized uh, grapevine here. It's got one branch." I'd be like, get this thing out of the ground. It's hopeless because the vine is demonstrated when it's got multiple branches. And so we're not the branch, we're a branch and together we produce collective kingdom fruit. So I would say to this, for us here this morning, prioritize gathering in our live experiences. By the way, Melbourne, one of my friends texted me this morning, said, how are we doing? Day 217 of lockdown in the last, and they're they're just doing church at home, which is like, okay, great. I'm better than, but... Uh, anyway, we could go on about that. But lockdowns are not lockdowns. It's this idea that we are called to produce fruit collectively. That we are collectively. they elevate groups. We have elevate groups. This idea that, that one hour on a Sunday where we sit in rows and look at the back of someone's head is not the whole picture. That we also have the opportunity to gather in homes or coffee shops or restaurants and actually circle up and actually do life together. And here's a final word. And I just wanna talk to uh, three groups. And I mentioned a group that, if you've never made the decision to make Jesus your Lord, if you've never connected to Him in the first place, then I I invite you today to make that decision. And on our online experience tonight, I'm making the same invitation people joining in there. If you've never made that decision, today I invite you to make that decision. And if that's your decision today, to start connected to the vine, let us know. Let us know because we wanna go on this journey with you. The second group uh, is a group that you might find yourself in the category of a group or someone you feel about your own life, that maybe you're drifting away from true north, that you've connected previously, but now your kind of your momentum of your life is kind of starting to shift towards magnetic north. And, and the promises of magnetic north are starting to become your priority. And again, they're not evil, but they're problematic if they start to pull you away from true north. And so my invitation today is, if you're starting to drift, then... Recalibrate, recalibrate. God's not necessarily going to crop out the magnetic north fruit, but He's going to bring you back to producing true north fruit, which is the most important stuff and the stuff that will last. And then the third group, just to finish with, is yeah, you, you know, whilst you're not doing it perfectly, and nor am I, you you would think yeah, I'm I'm, I'm largely oriented and connected to the vine. And, you know, like I haven't lost the, 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 the reality that that's the most important thing, which is fantastic. Remain. <laughs> uh, also understand that the fruit is not simply for you. It's not just about you. Because they'd be like, look at me, I'm so fruity. It's like, yeah, but yeah, but it's it's not just for you. It's, it's, in fact, Jesus dropped the mic with this statement, this whole, he's still walking up to the garden. And he said to the 12, just so you know, gang, you did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you so that you might go, So remain in me and go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So today, uh, and Jess already mentioned this during our worship, today as a church, we're finishing 21 days of praying and fasting together. And we set about that 21 day journey with the single explicit goal and direction to say, God, Help us as Elevate Church become more effective in reaching people. That we don't wanna be sitting around with the fruit bowl. By the way, if you just think it's all about you and then collectively as a church, you think about it's all about you, uh, before long, we will become what I like to, to call the granola church, full of the fruit and the nuts and the flakes. Because that's not what God's best is. That He wants to produce fruit in us that we can actually give out to other people that the fruit that will last is the fruit that will last is people oh boy I had a whole nother thing going on there I'm gonna pump the brakes on that one So I wanna pray right now as we finish these, not just finish the message today, not just finish this series today, but finish this 21 days. Because ultimately, ultimately, my heart is that this 21 days of praying and fasting isn't a period that we now go, oh, thank God, chocolate's back on the menu. No, rather that it's actually a launch pad that God has used this time in us to recalibrate our hearts, to reprioritize. You know, God said he's actually willing to leave 99 that are found to go and and look out and look for the one that's lost. That is just no good business. That is a terrible ROI. I mean, 99, it's pretty good, right? And he says, no, no, th- they have found. This one's lost. And so I'm going to go looking for them. So in your life, in your sphere, as in mine, we have people. And hopefully in these 21 days, they have become more important than ever. Their salvation has become more important than ever. Friends, family members colleagues neighbors fellow students etc i want to pray for them with you now that 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 it bothers us that they aren't connected to the vine that we're passionate about them connecting to the vine so right now i'm going to pray for them not for you although i'm going to pray that you're increasingly effective in influencing them God, I thank you. And Jesus, I thank you for the promise of fruit that we don't have to produce it. We have to simply remain connected and that you produce through us. So God, as a church, individually and corporately, as we commit to remain connected to you, to, 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 to make true north the most important thing and not get distracted and pulled off towards magnetic north, that the people in our sphere who aren't yet connected to you, God, that our hearts would burn for them, that our our prayers would cry out for them, that that our ears and our hearts would be open to opportunities to, to, to just put Jesus on the table with them, not in a pushy way, not in an offensive, stupid, religious way, but in a life on life, heart on heart, way, the same way you did it, with the people that you called to follow you. We thank you in advance, in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which Premier is every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.